0: visit roberthalf.com today
1: welcome back everybody this is Sia Najah this is fantasy football today DFS and forget about that offseason series you can go in you can go and listen to that stuff. I encourage you to listen to that stuff. It's going to be really important for your fantasy success coming up this year. But it all it all stops right now. No more offseason. It's it's the season now, and we have because the season starting. We have the man, the guy, Mike McClure at Mike five seven five four. You know him from Sportsline, but more importantly, you know him from Fantasy Football Today DFS. Mike, how's it going? Doing well, Sia. So great to
0: be back on camera here with you, fired up for the NFL season to start. I cannot wait. Let's get to it, man.
1: Yeah, I I am, Mike. I'm so excited. Like, even when the Hall of Fame game was happening, I'm like, okay. You know, even though it wasn't much of a game, I was looking at it like football is back. And we are so close. I mean, the countdown is, I think it's, what is it, two weeks from tomorrow, right, Mike? Two weeks from tomorrow, we
0: have live meaningful football. The record counts. Every game counts. Every snap counts. I literally cannot wait for it. I, we, we feel this way every year when we have a new season starting. A lot of us feel this way multiple times during the year when we look forward to that new sport. But for some reason, I don't know if it's just because of the way life has been for the last two and a half years, it just feels a little bit
1: different this year. I'm ready for it. Let's go. So, Mike, I think you're going to be a little upset. By the way, for everybody that doesn't, uh, forgive me for for bearing the lead. What we're going to talk about today is stock prices. We're going to talk about guys that where their stock is up, their stock is down. A lot of that is tied to week two preseason, uh, but not necessarily. It's like some of it is just like looking at, at at roster moves and and competition battles in training camp, and we're just going to try to figure out, you know, who was winning some of these battles and why that might impact us, whether it's week one in the DFS season or early in the DFS season. You know, when it comes to daily fantasy, we want to be early on a lot of these guys. So we're just going to talk about some of the guys where their stock is going up, where their stock is going down. But Mike, I have a surprise for you, and it's kind of disrespectful because I went out. I got one of these. Hopefully, you all are watching on YouTube. Um, everybody should be watching on YouTube. Do you mind if i if I break the ice, so to speak? Everyone who's listening, I have a liquid death in front of me. They're not a sponsor, but, Mike is the liquid death king. This, of course, is canned water. I went out and got one many months ago, Mike. It's been resting in my refrigerator and it's been waiting for this day. Can I can I open it on the air here? So you've never actually had one. You've been holding on to one, but you've never had one? That's correct. This is
0: a first. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it.
1: All right. We're gonna hear the crack. There it is, Mike. All right. I'm going to wait. I'm gonna wait to sip it because I don't wanna be that guy sipping something um while everybody's hearing me. But uh, oh, let's go ahead. Ha- let's go ahead and sip it. Okay. Because I've
0: right. got one here too.
1: All right. Oh, that's a beautiful sound. All right. Beautiful. Cheers, Mike. I'm going to sip it. Cheers, Mike. All right. Let's do it. Wow. All right. Season is here. That is some delicious canned water. Okay. <laughs> let's start, Mike with some running backs, okay? And and I I fully understand while you've had your eyes on football, you're doing so much for Sportsline. And that's, of course, the early edge, among other things. You're publishing the articles at Sportsline. And I know you're fully invested in MLB, uh, among other things. But I know you've had some of your eyes on the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends, some of these guys that are hot news right now, and hopefully will be hot news early in week one. Let's just cover some of the running backs, if you don't mind. And I want to start with Damian Pierce, who, listen, it's a Houston Texans backfield that's not, it's not a super sexy backfield, right? But he also doesn't have a lot of competition. I'm curious, when you have guys in a situation like this, where they're not like first round talent necessarily, and they're certainly not on a team that is, you know, going to be scoring a lot, going to have a lot of red zone opportunities, Is Damian Pierce a guy from a DFS standpoint you think you might be plugging in week to week, or is it just one of those things where you don't see the talent, you don't love the team, and you don't love the fact that maybe he's not going to be a primary guy on on passing downs?
0: Yeah, you mentioned the primary guy on passing downs is really what we need to be concerned with with him, especially considering the game script, right? We know for a fact that this Texans offense is likely to be Neutral or in trailing game scripts, most of the season, right? Especially in this opening round one game. I know we care mostly on a week to week basis. So, like, if we're talking week one at a $4,800 price tag, it's probably a very clear situation that I'm going to be avoiding just because I'm not projecting any sort of solid game script from him unless for some reason, you know, by the time this starts that we can really project significant passing down work. So because of the team he plays on, not going to get super excited about it. I think you can get excited about it when they've got the Jaguars on the schedule, for example, games that we project to be a little bit more competitive. Uh, But in week one, I, I think that while we'll pay attention to it, I don't think that he's actually really on my radar at all.
1: Yeah. And as we see here, Frank has this pulled up. He is 4,800 week one. And while that might sound like a discount, let's understand that in week one, uh, there are so many discounts that really dwarf in terms of value. They really dwarf what we're seeing here with Damian Pierce. So while, while, yeah, I guess it's possible that he could really, you know, run away with things week one, it's certainly not likely, certainly not against the Colts. And knowing that he's probably not the passing guy down early. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you there. Now, if you're in redrafts and you want to take Damian Pierce, I've got no issue with it. Uh, but it's one of those things from a DFS standpoint. I'm not super intrigued. Here's another guy that I think is on the line of intrigue. And he's, for me, from a DFS standpoint, he's sort of falling on, on the wrong side of the line for me. And it's Brian Robinson. We know how much press he's getting. And it's for good reason. They did The Washington commanders did invest some decent draft capital in him. But at the end of the day, he has a lot of people to contend with. Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick. McKissick is the passing downs guy. Now, Brian Robinson can catch. He's certainly not a volume guy, or at least he wasn't at Alabama. I'm curious where you stand. By the way, he's 4500 at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, week 1. What do you stand on Brian Robinson in general?
0: Yeah, so Robinson, I'm actually more interested in Robinson than than Damian Pierce. Um, you know, the $300 savings in week 1 is obviously a little nice. Uh, I'm very interested to see how this plays out. I think that what's going to happen here though, the unfortunate reality is the volume's not going to necessarily be there week one, two, or three. He might earn it, or it might kind of default to him through earning it and some sort of injury status you know, on the team. I, I fully expect him to have the workload to, to support this kind of price tag, but not until midseason. And at that point, the price point's probably going to have risen to the point where it's basically fair value. I don't mind taking a shot if, if you think that he's totally going to phase out JD McKissick, because... Personally, I think that that's kind of what happens at some point here. Uh, I mm-hmm. think McKissick will always be involved if they're in obvious trailing situations. He's obviously going to be on the field in some of those obvious passing downs or hurry up type scenarios. Um, not necessarily projecting that early here in week one. So I, I like him. I think it's really going to be a timeshare with Gibson here. Uh, I think it's Between those two, the question is, and the question's going to be for week one, is it a necessary value? Because there are, again, value plays everywhere in week one. Um, While I like him more than Damian Pierce as far as getting to him, I can't quite get there just yet, but he certainly has the talent to be someone that's worthy of a roster spot should McKissick fall out of that rotation.
1: And let me ask you about a guy that that perhaps is a little bit more sexy than the first two guys, at least from a DFS week one early in the DFS season standpoint. So we we talked about Damian Pierce. We talked about Brian Robinson. But I'm curious where you're on Saquon Barkley. So for the record, he's 6,100 at Tennessee week one. I don't think that's a game a lot of people are going to be touching. I think if you're going to be really contrarian and like a millie maker or something, it's certainly it's a viable option to play something, you know, We'll see about Traylon Brooks. We might see him in the stock down column, but you know, some sort of skinny stack that involves the Giants and uh, the Tennessee Titans would potentially make sense. I think a lot of people wanted to play Kadarius Tony at forty one hundred there, but you know, he's sort of nursing an injury, trying to get back. Barkley looks like he's really prime. The news coming out of camp is really good. He obviously is a pass catcher, so he's he's sized up really great for DraftKings. How do we feel about Saquon Barkley?
0: I I do like Saquon in this spot. Um, You know, you look at this game and it's, you know, a six-point spread. It's one where general consensus is Tennessee should win this game pretty easily. I think this game is going to be sneaky competitive here, uh, especially Mm -hmm. when Saquon is healthy. That's what we want. I want the game script where it's a tied game. I want just a slight negative game script. Saquon, I fully expect, you know, I'm not expecting Christian McCaffrey-type workload necessarily, but when he's healthy – if the Giants want to compete and try and win football games, they, they probably are going to need to give him close to that kind of workload if his body can handle it. I, I think they're going to test him early. So I do like this for him. Um, again, there's a lot of value in week one. But given all the reports that I've seen and given some of the film that I've seen on Saquon right now, I feel pretty comfortable saying that he is probably a 73 to $7,500 running back, not mm-hmm. a $6,100 running back in what we can presume to be a pretty positive game script for a player that can consistently
1: catch passes out of the backfield. So yeah, I'm quite interested in Saquon so far. You know, one thing I'm keeping an eye on too, let's let's imagine a scenario where he doesn't play well against Tennessee, which keeps his price down going into week two and week three. I feel like even if you don't like the matchup against Tennessee, you're almost hoping for an average or subpar game from Saquon to keep that price down because honestly, I think he could be an absolute beast. And if you can get him before the crowd sort of moves themselves over to him, then I think you're in really good shape. Absolutely. James Conner's another guy. So, you know, all we hear about James Conner, Mike, is, okay, well, touchdown regression, touchdown regression. And I think that's fine. I mean, first of all, I think, you know, red zone efficiency, James Conner was great last year. Arizona was pretty good. They were pretty dynamic in the red zone. With all of that said, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. They don't have Chase Edmonds. So even if you're in the touchdown regression camp, I think you can also be in the camp of they're going to be leaning on, leaning on James Conner quite a bit. Uh, he had 15 rushing touchdowns last year, three receiving touchdowns. He caught 37 of 39 targets. But again, keep in mind, those targets seem low, but Chase Edmonds was on that team. He was fifth in fantasy points per game, um, and he did that on just 202 carries and 39 targets. I see the volume going up. Do I love him in redraft? No, not necessarily, but I think I like him early in the DFS season. What say you? Yeah, I love him early in the DFS season.
0: You couldn't really ask for much better of a, a opening round matchup, too. Home game against the Kansas City Chiefs should be pretty competitive, should get into a shootout in my opinion here. Uh, we talk about the touchdown regression. We all want to see the touchdown regression. It's hard to regress when you get that many touches in the red zone, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're going to land in the end zone pretty frequently when you've got Kyler Murray as a dual threat quarterback and other players like that. So I, look, I'm right there. Once again, kind of like Saquon Barkley, I, I think he's still a $1,000 too cheap, right? I, I think mm-hmm. that in this kind of a matchup, like if this game were played last year, week 13, right? Or later this year, week 10, he's an 8,000 plus dollar running back, most likely, right? It's Mm an $8,000 price tag. You're getting a lot of value on it. Again, we're going to say this a lot. There's a lot of value in week one, but you're going to want a piece of this game. And on the Arizona side, um, look, I I think that we could see a double digit target game from James Conner if Kyler Murray struggling down the field at all in this football game.
1: Do you think he's in a spot with his salary where he gets squeezed a little bit because people are going to want to play, let's say, Jonathan Taylor against Houston, or they're going to want to play CMC for obvious reasons, and then they're going to want to get the value at running back wherever that might be by the time week one rolls around? I feel like 7000 is a price point for a guy like James Conner that isn't going to be super appealing to people. Do you see that scenario playing out? I definitely see it
0: playing out just because, again, where there's so much value that by the time week one rolls around, like you're, you're going to be able to play M- McCaffrey and Henry together, McCaffrey and Taylor together if you want to. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be enough value out there to make that work. Um, so, yeah, he, I definitely think he gets squeezed out a little bit. Looking at some of the names around him, you've got Mixon at 7,100 there, and you've got a few running backs that are quite a bit cheaper, Saquon Barkley, frankly, being one of them. Um, Yeah, I definitely think that there will be people faced with the decision that, uh, you know, do I want to upgrade from Saquon to to James Conner? Do I really need to or can I use that $900
1: elsewhere? So I I do think that he ends up getting squeezed out. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. some some guys that are maybe a little bit lower on the totem pole than guys like Saquon Barkley or um, or James Conner. I wanted to ask you about Kenny Gainwell, and this is really a conversation about the, the Eagles' backfield. We we know in preseason week two, Boston Scott was the starter. He got the bulk of the carries. Kenny Gainwell came in. He seems to be solidified as the passing down back. Miles Sanders, nursing a hamstring injury, obviously. He's 4,600 at Detroit week one. Is this a guy to speculate on potentially, or is it just such a muddled backfield? I, I want you to assume for a second that Miles Sanders, let's just say he's not playing week one. Is is it enough value to play him at 4,600 week one with Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell there?
0: I think so, honestly. Um, I, I really, I like him in week one if Sanders is out, just because if Sanders is out, this is a road game for them against a drastically, in my opinion, it's a team, the Lions team that's improving pretty significantly. I think we can project a pretty competitive football game there. That's what I want to see. Uh, but really, it's going to come down to the work in the passing game, right? We saw a few games from him where he had five to eight targets. If I can project a minimum of five targets in the passing game for him, uh, I'm pretty interested at that price point. And I'd be far more willing to take that chance than playing someone like Brian Robinson or, or or Damian Pierce in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can speculate about those other guys' roles as much as we want, but we know if Sanders is out, we have seen what a Kenny Gainwell game looks like and $4,500, $4,600, getting five touches in the passing game, you could do a lot worse than that.
1: I actually wanted to ask you about that Eagles-Lions game, which now has a total of 49. Now, I think a lot of people are going to be really attracted to the afternoon games for good reason. And that, of course, is the Chiefs-Cardinals, which has an over-under of 53, the Raiders-Chargers, 51.5. And And then you've got the Packers-Vikings, which I think is interesting at 48. Do you think that Eagles game is going to be popular? And if so, do you have a way, I know it's early, but do you have a way that if you were going to play that game, how you'd want to play it?
0: Uh, I mean, the obvious things that you can talk about there, uh, you can play Jalen Hurts. He's still $6,800. We love talking about Jalen Hurts because he has such a high floor with the rushing upside. It does get relatively difficult to start handcuffing at that point. I think that what you're looking at is probably the scenario where I get like really overexposed to that game is the scenario where Miles Sanders sits, we get to play Hertz. I would handcuff him with Kenny Gainwell at that Mm -hmm. point, uh, just because the combination of those two salaries, betting on the scenario where they score 30 points in that game, uh, in which case then I would start to run it back with a receiver on the other side. But right now, week one is so difficult because you can still, you, you obviously want, to build correlated lineups you want to have certain game stacks in there but week one is also still one of those weeks where typically you know you're building lineups also that have christian mccaffrey in them jonathan taylor in them because there is so much value um so as far as at this point am i like openly targeting and wanting to stack that game up not necessarily at this point
1: let me ask you since we're on the subject I mean, I'm assuming you like your Chiefs and that Arizona game, but I I, I also know that you know that that's going to be probably the most popular game to stack, certainly 1 or 1A to that Chargers-Raiders game, but that's probably number one. Is that the game, again, I know it's early and I know you don't make lineups till very late in the game, but is that a game that you're focused on or or are you so... do you think it's definitely going to be such a popular game that you're going to pivot and maybe just take one or two pieces there, but you're not going to stack that game?
0: Yeah, I see the more likely scenario is that I'm taking one or two pieces from quite a few uh, of those games. Um, you know, I, obviously I'll have lineups where I'll be stacking Mahomes and I'll stack Kyler Murray, things like that. But I think the most likely scenario, and like we're talking like an optimal lineup or like a cash game lineup, things like that. Uh, I think the most likely scenario there is you're talking one or two pieces uh, more than a game stack.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's the page I'm on, too. Let's continue with a few more running backs before we get to receivers. Speaking of that Chiefs game and speaking of a piece that I'm pretty interested in in that Chiefs game, it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We know he just he's not getting great press. I mean, he's getting OK press, but really we're talking about Isaiah Pacheco. We're taking we're talking about. Um, You know, obviously Juju Smith-Schuster, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, some of those guys, Sky Moore. I think CEH might be one of the pieces I want to take from this game. And and what I'm doing in a bigger contest is hoping, obviously, that somehow they get it through the running game just as much, if not more, uh, than the passing game. And at 5,400 at Arizona, whose run defense is certainly not intimidating, I I think that makes sense as a play. So my question for you is twofold, Mike. Do you like that as a play week one DFS? And the second question is, do you believe in Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year? So I'll start with the second part. Do I believe in him?
0: I believe in him only because the team definitely seems to believe in him, right? Mm -hmm. He's obviously got a role. He's going to have the role. Um, I'm very interested in week one, just because I kind of like this price point. It's, the the value game is so fun in week one because we just talked about a trio of forty-five to forty-eight hundred dollar running backs. And while forty-five to forty-eight versus fifty-four, that makes a pretty big difference after about week three in the season. Like you're really wanting to save that money. In week one, I don't necessarily have to do that because there are such great values on individual players across the board. I'm far more likely to want to pay this kind of price point on an offense that we can very confidently project them to score 30 points in a game, essentially, right? We've seen his role. We know what that role looks like. There's way less unknown in playing someone like Clyde Zulaire than playing that $4,600 running back that is, we're purely speculating on at that point. So I love him in week one. Uh, I love that when you look at that game log that we have pulled up, you're seeing two targets, two targets, one target. You're seeing six handoff attempt, rushing attempts. Uh, the volume looks incredibly low for someone who's looking at at some of the old box scores in this spot, not realizing it was a totally different team, totally different game scripts at that point. So I am in on CEH here. Uh, I think that he could have surprising usage in the passing game early in the season here as Kansas City starts to shake things out with the new receiving core, the lack of Tyreek Hill. I, I think that we could see some interesting sets here for
1: CEH. Yeah, and for those that are listening that are new, two things. One, we actually talked about Clyde Edwards-Alaire a lot in this sort of offseason series that we did, including last week with Derek Brown, where we were trying to make the point that this Isaiah Pacheco news is not actually bad for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. If anything, it's good for Clyde Edwards-Alaire when you consider... What the Isaiah Pacheco news means is that guys like Rojo and and some of the other backup running backs are not really stepping up to really contend with Clyde edwards ALaire. I just don't think a seventh-round rookie running back that was picked 30th in the seventh round, actually, uh, you know, listen, he looks pretty good. He's very fast. He's built well. But I think Clyde Edwards-O'Lear has a significant edge here, uh, and I don't think he's going to lose this job to Pacheco anytime soon. So I think Clyde Edwards-O'Lear is in a really, really good spot. And I think if you get them early, you're definitely getting value. And the other thing, the other point I wanted to make is we keep pulling up, uh, thanks to Frank, we keep pulling up the um DraftKings board here. So if you're if you're listening to us, that's great. Thank you. But you want to watch us too, because we're pulling up some box scores, some stats, last year's stats, things of that nature. You can follow us, you can subscribe youtube.com slash fantasy football today. So again, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. That's how you're able to watch us and get notifications that we're on. And we're on right now. We're also going to be on tomorrow. So check us out tomorrow as well. Let's talk about two more running backs before we we move on to some wide receivers and some tight ends. I want to talk about Mike Davis. He's 4,400 at the New York Jets. I think some listeners are like, why are we talking about Mike Davis? Well, the reason, of course, is Gus Edwards is on PUP. He's not going to play week one. We're really not sure what J.K. Dobbins' status is. And behind Mike Davis, most likely next in line is probably Justice Hill. It seems like, Mike Davis, 4,400 at the New York Jets right now. It seems like he's going to get the bulk of the carries on a team that loves to run the ball. Any thoughts here? Is this one of those spots? And I did this a lot last year where, unsuccessfully, mind you, where I kind of reached for cheap guys that were in good situations, but weren't very talented. And I was just hoping the situation would pull through the lack of talent. Am I flirting with that same type of scenario with Mike Davis here in week one?
0: I don't necessarily think so. Uh, If this were week nine, week 10 or beyond, I would say, yeah, probably so. But if I'm going to play Mike Davis, you know when I want to do it? I want to do it when he's healthy, when he hasn't been beat up just even a little bit at this point. I want to get the absolute best version of him. And that should be week one here in this spot against the Jets. We know that the game script is going to be favorable. We know how much the Ravens like to keep the football on the ground when they can. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm very, very interested. Look, if everything shakes out the way I think it will, I think he's going to be incredibly popular in week one, and that might be the only problem with it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, as far as projecting, well, he's absolutely going to be relevant here in week one.
1: All right. The next guy I wanted to ask you about, he's pretty much off everybody's radar, but I wanted to ask you about him because it's Kareem Hunt and it's yeah. the Cleveland Browns. And we really don't know what to expect out of the receiving options for the Cleveland Browns. We don't know what to expect out of Jacoby Brissett. Listen, from what I've seen with Jacoby Brissett over the last few years, you know this this is not a starting quarterback in the league. There's a reason he's a backup. And honestly, I, I just don't think it's going to be a good look for the Browns for the, for the first 11 games of the season. But I do think that could be to the benefit of guys like Kareem Hunt. They just sort of drop off guys, the guys that are just sitting there in the flat and can collect some catches. I, I think Nick Chubb should be okay too, but... Any thoughts on Kareem Hunt in just the beginning of the DFS season here?
0: I don't mind him in the beginning of the DFS season. Like, I think there's this scenario out there where he can have the five or six reception game land in the end zone and, you know, out of nowhere has that 25 point game that, you know, you're really looking for at this price point. But I don't love it. I think there's so much uncertainty there. I would love to pretend that, yes, he's going to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield from Jacoby Brissett. I think he's going to have the opportunity to play well in week one. I just, I don't know what the usage looks like. I don't know if they just absolutely give every touch here to Nick Chubb or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's certainly in the range of outcomes, which really worries me. We know the another thing you need to keep in mind with Green Hunt, he, he's had some contract negotiations, things like that, that, you know, he wasn't very pleased with. He I believe he held himself out at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, that's something to keep in mind and it's difficult to get there and not loving this Cleveland offense early at 5,700. It might be attractive, you know, week two or week three, when this price point falls to 4,900, if he does absolutely nothing. Um, but I don't think I can get there in in week one.
1: Yeah. I think this is the type of play where if you, if you're throwing a, a single silver bullet in the Millie maker, Uh, which I don't recommend you do, by the way, because we want you to max out the tournaments you enter. But I think nobody's going to play Kareem Hunt at 5,700. There's just too many great options. So if if you're just interested in having a flyer that nobody's going to be on that you know has some potential to get loose, uh, certainly Kareem Hunt is is among those options. So we're going to talk about some receivers, some stock-up receivers. But before we do that, we're going to hear a message from our partners. And we are back. We're talking with Mike McClure You know him from Sportsline, but again, you know him more importantly from Fantasy Football Today DFS. Well, maybe not more importantly, but the point is I'm really glad to have you back, Mike. We've talked about some running backs where their stock has conceivably gone up, at least most of the guys we talked about. I think were kind of stock up guys. I wanted to talk about some receivers that I believe were stock up guys as well, and I wanted to start with Michael Pittman. He's 5,500 at Houston. I think this is a really interesting game that you don't necessarily have to stack, uh, but it may be a skinny stack with, with Pittman and maybe somebody like a Brandon Cooks on the other side or a Nico Collins, depending on how inexpensive you want to get. I think a lot of people are going to be playing Jonathan Taylor. So the, so I think my rationale for Pittman is, is you know, maybe it's, it's a Naheem Hines and Michael Pittman game and not a Jonathan Taylor game, for example. So your thoughts on that, just to be contrarian, and just at Michael Pittman's outlook in general?
0: Yeah, so his outlook in general, I, I'm very high on it. Um, and I think the price point is an absolute gift at this point. I, You know, he, he did a lot with what he had last season in certain spots. I expect that to improve, though. Uh, I think it's a pretty clear upgrade at the quarterback position. The issue is, is, does the quarterback play in general make the team even better? And we find ourselves in games where – They they don't need to target him more than five times. That is a very legitimate concern at some point in the season and in week one against this Houston team. So I do like him a lot. He's definitely going to be in the player pool at 5,500. You're right. Jonathan Taylor's who we're going to want to play. I think the only way that I'm really playing Pittman, though, is if I decide that I'm not going to play Jonathan Taylor and instead I'm going to play Christian McCaffrey and Henry or... Whoever else my other big spend is, if I'm willing to fade Jonathan Taylor, I'm going to do it by playing Michael Pittman because I'm pretty confident the Colts are going to roll in this game. Mm -hmm. If it's not through Jonathan Taylor, it's likely because Pittman was incredibly efficient with the targets that he had and it's coming from Matt Ryan. So I like him. Jonathan Taylor is certainly going to be the priority, but in the lineups that I'm not playing Jonathan Taylor, I I have a lot of interest in Michael Pittman. I think we're going to see multiple two touchdown games from him. Mm-hmm. And then I think we're also going to see weeks where he has four targets for, you know, four catches, 48 yards, no touchdown. And we're going to be pulling our hair out. I think that's the kind of season he, personally that he's in for. Uh, but I do think he's going to have big weeks and hopefully those big weeks come with weeks of not so great performances in between. So we keep that price tag around that $55 to $6,200 range, and we can really profit when we're right.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. If you're not a superstar, and Pittman isn't a superstar yet, when you have those flat games, it really does keep your price point down. So that's a a really good point. When When you're not rostering Michael Pittman on your DraftKings team, you, you almost want to root against him to some degree, at least like so that he doesn't have an explosion so that maybe you have an opportunity to play him the following week or the week after that. For the record, 88 catches for uh, 129 targets over just over a thousand yards last season, uh, only six touchdowns. But I, I agree with Mike. I think there's going to be some splash games and there's going to be some really you know, flat games as well. So you, you want to find those ceiling games and hit them hard when you do. Christian Kirk. So he's 5,100. He's at Washington. He's, you know, he, he's a guy that really hasn't gotten a lot of press, a lot of love until this, this very recent preseason game where he basically was heavily targeted. I believe he had, I don't know, eight eight targets among the 24 plays he was on the field. And, uh, and that, of course, was with the starters last week. He's the number one. He's 5,100 at Washington. Again, I'm not really assessing him versus Washington, although I think Washington's secondary has plenty of leaks in it. So I I think it's a fine play week one. But I also think Kirk is just getting overlooked in general, whether you're talking about redraft or whether you're talking about DFS. I've never necessarily been a Christian Kirk guy. I've never, you know, I've had him here and there, but they paid him like a number one and they're treating him like a number one. And there's no DJ Shark there anymore. It's basically him and Marvin Jones and you know, Laviska Chenault, and, and a couple of guys. So it seems like Christian Kirk is the guy. Do you agree and do you like his fantasy outlook?
0: I agree that he's going to be the guy. My concern is, is the team good enough? Is my real concern still at this point? Um, look, I liked him a lot in Arizona certain weeks because there were football players on that field, on his own team, that made life a lot easier for Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. And that is my worry in this spot, whether it's, you know, field starting field position that they have sometimes, whatever it may be, I'm not confident the team is good enough. Um, It looks like a value in terms of his individual raw talent. It's certainly a value at this price point. My issue is, is the team good enough? Is it going to be too easy to lock him down from the other team's perspective and make someone else beat them? That is my biggest worry with Christian Kirk. Um, And frankly, the biggest worry also is just 5,100. If you told me he's going to be 5,100 by week six, week seven, and some of those great matchups, sign me up, Mm -hmm. right? But in week one, 5,100, it's kind of, in my opinion, an artificial value.
1: Is your, I mean, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I want to turn this on its head a little bit. Is this really, is your assessment really an indictment on Trevor Lawrence a little bit? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: that's fair. Okay. Cause I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I've never really been a Trevor Lawrence guy. And what I mean by that is I, I never thought when he came into the league from Clemson, he was going to be the guy that people sort of projected him to be. Now God. the jury is still out. I might be wrong. I might be proven wrong this year. I might be proven wrong next year. Who knows what his sort of maturation process is going to be. But I think that's fair. The one thing I'll say in his corner, that it, d- it does seem like they did improve the offensive line a little bit. So yeah. uh, through the draft and with Brandon Sheriff and free agency. So something to be said for that. But you're either great, you're a great quarterback or you're not a great quarterback. So I think this year we're, we're probably going to be able to find out as it relates to Trevor Lawrence. Let me ask you about this, because this is a guy that's come up on this podcast during the offseason series quite a bit. I just want to get your opinion. You are the Kansas City guy. Or at least that's what I think you are. You're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. You, are, you know everything about Kansas City. Every, every week when we talk about it, you're always on a Kansas City stack. I'm just curious where you're at with the receiver core here. Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, Sky Moore, these guys, are are they guys that you're confident in? Does it not matter what their talent level is because it's an Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes-led offense?
0: Yeah, I'm way more interested in giving credit to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Look, I I think that – and the other thing that's so great about it, right, is their price points. You know, we're not dealing with $8,500, $9,000 Tyreek Hill and, and trying to figure out a way to make that lineup work. Um, so, look, I think they're talented enough, but I really think that the the skill gap between some of these secondary wide receivers is not significant. You can look across National Football League and put some of these guys with You know, you don't have to call Mahomes the best quarterback in the league. You can call him a top five quarterback. Mm -hmm. You put a lot of these wide receivers when you just sort by price point, essentially, you put a lot of these wide receivers in that price range with Patrick Mahomes and that offense in that situation, they're going to find success most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. So I personally think that that will happen again. I think, you know, it's a great time to buy early on these guys. I don't envision the scenario where MVS – is 4,700 and Juju is 5,200 and Skymore is 3,800 that and Nicole Hardman 4,600, right? I don't envision the scenario where all four of those guys are like that. One of these guys is going to separate themselves on the the list for Patrick Mahomes, right? I, I think it's pretty safe to say that that's going to happen. They're cheap enough. If you're someone who's playing lots of lineups early in the season, you can get it right. You'll have the opportunity to get it right. They're, they're so cheap. The risk decreases significantly. Like, think about last year in certain situations. Sometimes you had to pick between Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And one of them didn't have a good game, and your stack in your lineup is essentially dead, right? Mm-hmm. Even though Patrick Mahomes had such a great game. Now, not necessarily the case. If the wide you know, because of the price point difference, Travis Kelsey's still going to be where he is but you're not spending so much at the wide receiver. You can play two of these guys for the same cost as Tyreek Hill Mm -hmm. certain weeks last season, right? So I'm far more interested in Kansas City early in the season, frankly, than I was last season. uh, Because I think the most likely scenario with this team is they may not be blowing teams out. They might even be in more competitive football games, which puts them in more obvious passing situations. That's what I want to see here. So I like... Kansas City receivers early as far as which one am I jumping on look I I think that Juju he's got the name value which makes a lot of sense right I'm gonna play some Juju but I'm gonna avoid Juju a little bit I'm not gonna go all in on Juju every lineup I'm gonna take my chance on some of the other guys because look he's thrown to Michael Hardman for several years now at this point mm-hmm. Hardman is someone that – he's not Tyreek Hill, and I don't want to pretend he's Tyreek Hill. He's still very dangerous every time he touches the football in space, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think he's the one who's going to have a big year for Kansas City at, at this point.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That, that That's interesting because, you know, I don't – if I were to rank them in terms of who's going to have the big year, I, he certainly wouldn't be like number one or number two. But to your point, it's possible. And I know in one of our offseason series, I, I think it was – Andrew Erickson that was on with us, you know, he made the point and you just made it too, Mike. He's the only one that's actually played with Patrick Mahomes. He's the only one that's actually caught passes from Patrick Mahomes out of these top four receivers. And there's probably some value in that. And you'd think they're going to get him in space one way or the other. So, uh, yeah, I, I like that call. I'm really I can't wait for us to do like the real DFS breakdown, the one we usually do, you know, on Thursdays before week one because uh, I'm really curious where you're going to be in, in, in terms of some of your stacks in this Kansas city, Arizona game. Um, Stefan Diggs, Gabe, Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie. I wanted to bring them up because we know Stefan Diggs is going to be a monster in this office offense. We're pretty sure Gabe Davis is going to be the wide receiver two here. And you know, he's flashed in the preseason. We saw him flash late last year, but then there's Isaiah McKenzie as well. I- I'm just curious where you stand. Obviously this, I mean, Gabe Davis is always going to be a great play. Stephon Diggs is always going to be a great play. They're not on the main slate. I just want to bring them up. Is a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, a guy you're going to be targeting when they're on, on the main slate early in the season? Guys like Gabriel Davis, those wide receiver two, wide receiver threes for this explosive offense.
0: Honestly, it's so tough to get there. Um, just because Josh Allen still does run quite a bit as well. And I, I frankly, I expect them to be a little bit more like the Chiefs in years past in terms of just like, frankly, dominating football teams, right? Really mm-hmm. winning a lot of football games. So as much as I want to say that I'll be targeting them on main slates, that's not where I'm going to target them. I'm going to be very interested in playing some of those guys in showdown slates. Uh, I, I think that isolating some of those games and those players at, again, very dynamic pricing that we see in the showdown slates, that's likely where the value is going to be with some of those guys. Um Otherwise, you're going to have to take some shots. And again, that's a team that's going to have some very interesting game scripts throughout the season. Um, you know, it, It's a team that I expect to also continue to improve defensively as well. That kind of takes away and puts them in better field position. Great for winning football games. Not necessarily great for scoring fantasy points as a secondary and third wide receiver. Um, so I'm not super interested in those Buffalo guys early in the season here. Uh, on main slates, but I, I'm very, very interested in
1: showdown slates. Love it. Well, we're going to be able to put some showdown lineups together for that first opening night game, Rams versus the Bills. So that's going to be really interesting to see who you include yeah. in in your player pool there. Two more receivers I want to ask you about, and then we'll touch on uh, some, some quarterbacks and, and tight ends before we get out of here. But Alan Lazard is really interesting to me because, listen, Green Bay, Christian Watson is working his way back from injury, right? We have Romeo Dobbs, who's who's a good receiver, but we really haven't seen him against real defenses. Right. We know he has potential issues separating off the line against press coverage. That might be a problem for him once he sees some real defenses and some real defensive coverage. And so just by process of elimination with Christian Watson sort of being slow to get back from his injury. And then you have Randall Cobb, who seems like more of a gadgety guy to me than anything else. It feels like it's Alan Lazard's, I mean, Sammy Watkins. I mean, I don't know what to say about him at this point. It feels like it's Alan Lazard's receiving core to kind of command here. He only had 60 targets last last year. He caught 40 of them. He was a big time red zone target, though. Um, 30%. Let, let's see. Um, he had eight touchdowns inside the red zone, which is pretty impressive. Oh, excuse me, seven inside the red zone of his eight touchdowns. And let's remember, Devontae Adams isn't there anymore. So almost 40% of the red zone targets have been vacated. This guy's six, two. 225 pounds, 26 years old. I I just feel like he almost falls into a really large role, especially a red zone role early in the season. What say you? He absolutely does. Uh,
0: You know, we just talked about this with Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers has thrown the football to Alan Lazard still quite a bit uh, in his career relative to everybody else playing around Mm -hmm. him. He clearly trusts him in some of those big spots. Even when Devontae Adams was on the field, and having both of those running backs, including Aaron Jones, who can catch footballs out of the backfield in the red zone. Alan Lazard still had a pretty healthy workload in terms of in the red zone. I fully expect him to take over Devontae's role in the red zone. Will he be as effective? No, he, he's not Devontae Adams, but I think that Aaron Rodgers trusts him. And I think that he's definitely going to lean on him early in this season. Uh, you know, It's one of those things where, you know, all the biases we suffer from from humans. It's you see 5,600, and it's going to be really weird when we see Alan Lazard at $7,500. But Mm -hmm. I truly believe Alan Lazard will be a $7,500 wide receiver because I think he's going to take a lot of that role. And a lot of people aren't going to want to play him, especially if he goes out there. You know, he may not be in the optimal lineup week one, but he might have five catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown, which is going to pay off his $5,600 salary. Not going to win you a tournament necessarily, but a fine score. I hope that happens, and I hope his price point goes to like 63, 6400 because nobody's going to play him in the following weeks, and he's still going to be the number one receiver for the Green Bay Packers, who should be in
1: competitive football games. I love Alan Lazard. Love it! I absolutely love that. Everybody listening, keep that in mind for your redraft leagues as well. One last receiver I want to talk to you about: Josh Palmer. He's thirty eight hundred. He's playing at you know, against the Vegas Raiders at home. Of course, he's the third option behind Mike Williams. who's very. He's very. Um, I should say inexpensive. Or I should say presents a value at sixty six hundred. And then you got Keenan Allen, who's a few hundred dollars uh, more than him. With that said, I'm just sort of fixated on Josh Palmer from a value standpoint. He's looked good in the preseason so far last game, three receptions, 75 yards, and a touchdown. But he's looked the part as well as as far as a wide receiver three and a high-powered offense. How do you feel about Josh Palmer early, early in the season or for week one? You know, I like him.
0: Um, I'm still obviously worried about market share, uh, just having those guys and Austin mm-hmm. Echo there. I just it, There's so many mouths to feed when it really comes down to it. Yeah. One of those players, a lot like, you know, some of the Bills receivers as well, the Chiefs in the past, one of the best showdown slate players in the entire league, right? He's going to be someone you're going to want to keep your eye on in showdown slates. As far as main slates, yeah, it's interesting. The issue that we run into is, is it a necessity in week one with all the value? Probably not. Mid-season, if we're still looking at him under $4,000, yeah, I think that he's someone that will routinely be someone that you'll want to include in your handcuffs with Herbert and
1: one of the other pass catchers. So I'll tell you what, we're going to have a show tomorrow and we're going to talk about some more of these players, but I think we're also going to talk about some of our, some, some DFS strategy, uh, heading into week one of the season, of the regular season, I should say. But before we do that, let me just, from a stock down standpoint, I wrote down a few names and I just want to know if any of these names jump out at you as truly a stock down or maybe maybe we just need to assess them as, as level right now. They're not a stock up or a stock down. Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Antonio Gibson. It seems pretty obvious to me that all three are a stock down, but should we be holding off on really kind of putting them in the basement right now?
0: Um, you know, I don't think that we have to hold off on it. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that Brian Robinson's going to take a little bit from Antonio Gibson, maybe Mm. a lot with JD McKissick. McKissick is the true wild card there, especially in the passing game. Um, kind of the same thing with Montgomery, Miles Sanders. I'm always a little worried. Um, you know, the, the injury concern is there. Gainwell's talented. Hertz likes to run that, that offense. It's, it's not going to shock me at all if Miles Sanders underperforms. Um, so yeah, I think it's pretty fair to have all three of them in the stock down.
1: Okay, I'll give you three receivers, and then uh, we'll we'll close the show on that. Deontay Johnson, uh, in a, he, he I bring him up because we know George Pickens is is you know probably fully going to be in this mix early, and then of course Chase Claypool getting some touches. Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback. Let's let's um, refocus on that. So Deontay Johnson, Michael Thomas, Traylon Burks. Those three guys, how you feeling right now? Obviously, not the best news. We know Michael Thomas is now dealing with a hamstring injury on top of the injury he just recovered from for the last two years.
0: Yeah, so Deontay Johnson, the one I want to hit first, I think it's a pretty clear stock down at this point. Um, you know, a lot of his role was kind of out of necessity in the way Ben had to play at that point in his career, and it was a relationship that they had together, and, and I don't see that really existing at this point. Um, you're right about Pickens. Claypool is there. Friar Muth is still there, um, you know, Najee out of the backfield. I just, I, I don't think that it's going to be a great situation for him. And he's someone that I'm projecting to really become disinterested pretty quickly, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not expecting big things from Deontay. And then Michael Thomas, you know, I need to see it before I invest. Uh, I need to see it in real NFL games that count before I really want to jump back in on that situation.
1: All right. Well, everybody, that's the stock prices. That's stock up, that's stock down. We're going to come at you tomorrow with some more stuff relating to week one of the NFL season, some strategy that we're going to talk about now that we have Mike McClure back in the fold. Mike, it is so good to be back with you this week. I can't wait to do a show again tomorrow. We're going to be coming at you with two shows per week from here on out. So, Mike, thanks so much for coming on uh, with us and staying on with us for this whole year. This is amazing. It's NFL season. This is amazing. It's amazing. I can't wait. I'll see you tomorrow. That's good. All right. Fantasy football today, DFS. I'm a Ajad. That's Mike McClure. And we'll see you tomorrow.